The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. And it's an absolute pleasure to be back again with you for another week. Uh, on today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to Matt Inglet. We're going to talk about freelancing and finding a higher pay, finding higher paying projects, working less with less stress. Um, hopefully that sounds good to you, just to me. Um, we're going to be chatting with Matt uh, very shortly. But before I do that, I'd like to say a big, big thank you to my guest last week. Um, my guest last week was Meta Block. Uh, Meta is a good friend of mine. She's a twice world champion rower from Denmark. And um, yesterday she joined me, so last week, sorry, she joined me to talk about controlling behavior to achieve your goals and we talked about the the brain and why it is that things get in the way of us wanting to do the things that we need to do and there's some really great insights in there from methods sort of rowing career and life and interest in neuroscience and that sort of thing so i would strongly recommend if you've not heard it go and listen to that one the first show i ever did um over 257 shows ago was with Meta, and uh, people still listen to that and tell me it's a fantastic interview. So do listen to that show. So are you a freelancer? And do you want to find higher paying projects? Do you want to also work less? Do you want less stress? Um, because um, certainly as a consultant, uh, I've experienced myself times when um, I've been um, working hard for not a lot and uh, thinking, gosh, there was easier ways to uh, earn a living than this. So my guest today, Matt Inglis, is going to really help us. Matt is the creator of FreelanceTransformation.com. He helps freelance designers, developers, marketers, consultants to win clients and build a dream lifestyle through freelancing. Now, Matt's expertise comes from running a web agency for 11 years, which he transformed from a traditional bricks and mortar office and 80-hour working weeks to significantly lose, uh, reduce his working time and for far greater profitability. And he seems to head off to all sorts of fascinating destinations uh, as well these days and, and work from them. So we'll chat about that a bit later. Um, so from feeling stuck and making the wrong moves, he figured out how to transform his business and he created the lifestyle and financial freedom that he wanted. So from that, Matt has realized that most freelancers and consultants, they just make life far more difficult for themselves than they need it to be. So I'd recommend this show for anyone working on their own out there, uh, working with a small team involved in all of these different areas of uh, consultancy and web development and marketing, anything that's kind of freelancing in nature, that this is going to be an, an interview that's going to have a big impact on you because talking to Matt already has on me. So a huge welcome to my guest today, Matt Inglet. Thank you so much, Chris. It is awesome to be here today. 
Absolute pleasure. So um, the first thing we probably established from that voice, uh, Matt, is that you certainly spent time uh, in uh, North America, um, but you're you're actually from Poland originally, you're just telling me. Yes, I am. Uh, I moved when I was four years old. Well, my parents moved and I guess <laughs> took me with them. So I've grown up I've essentially grown up Canadian, but I do speak Polish. I do travel back to Poland. And if you're looking for a vacation destination, I highly recommend Poland. Yeah, you were telling me earlier to go to, to go to Krakow as one of the places. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful city. Um, it's one of the cities that kind of survived the war in really good shape. Um, and you could spend a week there and have a lot of fun there um, and see some amazing things. Nice. So do, do you speak Polish still? I do. I do. I, I get made fun of because, you know, I definitely have an accent that's not Polish, but um, I can speak it. I can get around there and that's certainly helpful. And was that a big was that a big move for your family when you were four to you know, up sticks from Poland and go all the way to Canada? It sounds like it probably was. Oh, huge, especially the language barrier. I mean, you're you're moving away from your family and everything, and you're moving away from the language and culture you know, and you're ending up in this new place. And I remember going to school. Uh, they, my parents put me in grade one, um, and on the very first day, I, I was literally crying and kicking and screaming. And I remember at some point, like, holding on to a desk and just like people trying to pull me away because I, I did not want to be there. I, I didn't understand the language. I didn't understand what was happening. Um, and it was very scary. And it took a long time to kind of learn English and kind of learn what school was. Uh, <laughs> it was definitely a hard way to start the school experience. That must be incredibly difficult. I mean, I'll never forget my first day at school was that as a very young uh, child and infant. Um, I remember being stood at the front of the class because I was crying with another girl and uh, the class laughed at us which was really lovely of them very warm uh, welcoming to school but I remember it being a, a really traumatic experience for me but if I also didn't understand what they were saying as well that would have been really really challenging yeah definitely and aren't little kids nice <laughs> yeah, lovely aren't they well I think it was a teaching style as well because um, I think you know, that wouldn't happen now I really you know I really do um, appreciate the way I see uh, teaching and teachers at my my children's school, how you know how welcoming and supportive they were. It just seemed a very different experience to, you know, the uh, very much tougher regime that I had all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, so um, did your parents have jobs when they came over? Or did they have to find those as well? Yeah. Um... I guess, uh, I, I don't really know. <laughs> My dad was the one that got a job, but I don't know if he had something lined up before he went over or if he kind of had to figure things out. I know he started out, I think, delivering pizzas and then got a job as an engineer. Um, but, you know, it was definitely a difficult uh, journey. And same thing, he had to learn the language. And my mom had to learn the language. Um, it was definitely an experience. And you're now um, based in Ontario, is that correct? Well, I'm actually now in Alberta, Calgary, but ah, I grew up most of my life in Ontario, uh, in Waterloo. Ah, so, you, so you, um, you've got an amazing place to go skiing, I imagine. Yes, yes, we have uh, Banff, uh, just up yeah, the road, essentially. You know, hour, hour and a half drive, and you've got world-class skiing. Oh, it's beautiful, Banff. I've been there. Lovely, lovely place. So, um, I, I mean, it's just an in interesting um you know, perspective there in terms of your sort of background and coming from uh, from Poland. 
um, you know, I'm just kind of interested, you know, people who come um, from Eastern Bloc and they, they come and live in somewhere like uh, Canada for the first time, um, you know, how, how do people perceive them and welcoming them? Welcome them? Did you have a, a warm welcome or did you also have to deal with, you know, that as well as the language barrier? I mean, I think the welcome was warm overall. Just again, school's kind of tough, I think, for everyone. And it's tough when you don't speak the language. Um, but other than that, you know, I would say Canada was very welcoming in general. And I think, you know, I had the advantage, of course, that I went over when I was really, really, really young, like four years old. Um, so I, you know, I think I did get to skip some of the more uh, difficult challenges of kind of trying to integrate because when you're that young, um, you learn really quickly. And that's a huge advantage. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, you know, we're, we're happy we came over here and, you know, Canada's been a great home. Fantastic. And I know you've all sorts of hobbies like woodworking and rock climbing, which seem very um, appropriate for living in, in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but what got you interested in, um, you know, the kind of, kind of business that you do now? I mean, where did, where did you start? So I kind of started by accident. Um, I was still going to university. I was actually just in my second year of university. And I kind of, I mean, I had it made. I was living on my own. I had moved out of my parents' house. And, you know, I was paying my own rent. I was paying my own tuition and, you know, my own food and everything. I was independent. And the reason I was able to do all of that is because I was wor also working part-time at a startup. But unfortunately, this startup ran out of money, like startups tend to do. And only several, you know, only a couple months into um, the second year, I walked in one day, and the mood was really, really sober. And there weren't a lot of people at the office, and my computer login wasn't working. And pretty soon, I ended up talking to my manager, and I found out I was one of the one third of people that let got let go. And then a year later, the startup closed entirely. So I was out on my own. I was, you know, independent. Mm. <laughs> I had to make my own money. And I realized, you know, very early in life what it means to lose your job. So what I did is I started building websites for people because that's something I had kind of learned on the side and knew how to do. So I sold my web, my first website for $300. I sold the next one for $700. And I very quickly realized that, hey, wait a minute, I can actually do this. And, you know, looking back 11 years later, now our websites are a lot more expensive. But that ended up being the path that I ended up going on. And was that something that always interested you, the IT side of business? Oh, absolutely. Um, I learned how to program computers when I was in grade seven. Um, so I started out with a language called Turbo Pascal, and I made these little text adventure games and other things um, while, I guess, in elementary school. And, you know, as the internet and technology progressed, I got into website development and web development. Uh, my very first paying job was actually running a website for a computer game called Worms. Uh, for a company in Sweden and you know I would be the one managing all the content and everything and so yeah that all of that actually kind of set me up so that you know when it came time to figure out how I'm going to make money I had some skills and I could put them to use um, doing things that clients needed done. Fantastic so you um, so you, you did that helped you pay your way through college um, building sites, but you went on and built, you know, a reasonable size business with bricks and mortar and employed people. And you know, what happened there? 
Yeah, and all of that was actually, a, well, a big chunk of that was while still in school. That ended up being quite the journey because I guess I never do anything simple. So um, as I started to realize that, you know, this could actually make me money, I very quickly started thinking, okay, well, how can I grow it into a really big business? And I think part of a reason for that is because I did grow up in Waterloo, uh, which is kind of Canada, one of Canada's like startup hubs. So the thinking there is always, you know, you have to grow a big business, you have to find investors, you know, you have to have an IPO and all that crazy stuff. So that kind of thinking just you know, gets ingrained in you. So I was immediately thinking, okay, how can I scale this? How can I hire people? How can I build a team? All, of course, still in school. So I ended up renting an office space. I ended up hiring my first full-time developer. Um, again, still in school, barely had enough money for myself, but I was paying someone else's salary and everything. All my money was going into making this thing happen. Um, I ended up hiring a second developer and then I ended up opening a bigger office because I was convinced I was going to have a team of like 20 people and I needed to make sure our office would be big enough to hold all the people. Um, so next thing you know, I found myself in this position where I had um, a massive uh, rent to pay every month, um, even much bigger payroll to pay every month. And I realized at one point that I had done all this very quickly, but I had never really figured out how to make this really work. I had never worked at an agency. Um, I never really understood what it meant to build this type of business. Um, I was just kind of running as quickly as possible. And that eventually ended up kind of collapsing all around me because um, I had to pay these massive bills every month, but I didn't really know how to find the right types of clients. I didn't know how to consistently bring business through the door. So we would have periods where we were making lots of money and everything seemed fine. And then several months later, I would be struggling to figure out how we would be making payroll in a month. Mm. Yes, yes. I remember being there myself. We uh, built, built a company with about 25 people and... Um, yeah, well, I, I, fortunately, I left. Um, I left the business, and things were were good. But not long after, we were turning over a lot. We were earning a lot, but um, my colleagues, past colleagues, ended up remortgaging their homes to keep the business afloat. Um, and so, you don't really want to be doing that. No, definitely not. And that's exactly. I mean, luckily, I didn't have a home to remortgage. I didn't have much other than the business. But it definitely got to that point where. Um, I had to either fix the business or let it go bankrupt because there was no more money. I think at one point, uh, my bank account, I remember logging in, it was something like negative $40,000. Mm. Mm. Which is uh, yeah, a fair, fair chunk of money when you're young and you're starting out. So, um, so, you know, so from that, since then, you've been kind of helping freelancers. And I'm, you know, we'll have a chat about what went, you know, what kind of went wrong. But um, just before we move into the sort of second break, it would be good to you know, understand you, you went from that situation losing um, money, but you kind of reinvented your business, didn't you? So that you, um, you, you know, were less reliant on the payroll and an office and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, I had that decision to make. Um, do I fix this business or do I let it go? And obviously, I didn't want to let it go. So I finally did something I should have done ages ago and actually sat down and tried to figure out is this business even savable? And what is working about it? And what is not working about it? And by digging through it, I realized there was an amazing business hiding in there. I had just been going about it 
the wrong way. And part of it, of course, was the office and employees. I didn't really need those. But part of it also was much deeper in the types of clients that I was taking on and how I was approaching finding clients. And so in the end, I ended up getting rid of the office, um, getting, you know, eventually transitioning most of my employees to contract and just rebuilding a business. So out, out of almost bankruptcy back in 2011, um, I built a business that now has created an amazing life for me, um, does well, and is simultaneously much simpler and much more profitable. Excellent. Well, we look forward to talking about that amazing life and you know how you did that. And, um, and, and I know you've got some great tips and ideas on you know business models and, uh, and how to bring in those uh, great high-paying customers. So we're going to go to commercial break now. And after the break, we shall um, we'll obviously have more for Matt Inglert. So do join us again in a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One to one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. From the boardroom to you. 
Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Matt Englert. We're talking about freelance. And Matt, you ended uh, that session before the interview, uh, you know, with... uh, you know, they mentioned there that you've now created, you you changed your business model, um, you had uh, contracted out your consultants, got rid of the office, and you've now created a business that's generating a you know a really amazing life for you now, which um, you know fully uh, applaud. Um, do you want to just um, maybe define what um, what you think you know freelancing is, and also um, you know what what do freelancers really want out of their business? Or should, what should they be aiming for? Yeah, that's a great question because it's such a broad definition right now. I mean, for example, am I a freelancer? Well, um, I no longer have a giant team and an office and everything, but I do have some people working for me, again, mostly on contracts. So I'm no longer um, a solopreneur per se, but at the same time, it is a very small business. I like to call my business a micro agency because it is very much like freelancing. Um, and in general, I look at freelancing as anybody that's providing services to their clients um, and doing it so that they can have a life um, that's under their control. They can work for themselves. Um, if they choose to work from home, great, or maybe a co-working space. Um, but they kind of want the freedom um, to have their own thing and the freedom to have their own projects. And you know, they're basically available to create amazing results for their clients instead of having to go and find an employer and walk into the same job every day, all day. Mm. Mm. Yes, I really do uh, do get that. So that walking into the same same space, and you know, I go into some working environments that are great, but I go into some and it just makes me shudder the thoughts about to go back and you know maybe being there five days a week, um, which I don't have to do anymore, thank goodness. But uh, <laughs> it it is nice to have that um, that flexibility to work where you want, really. Yeah, it absolutely is. It, I mean, I've only spent, I think, a total of eight months of my life in a cubicle, um, and that wasn't even all at once, and I still had had enough. So I am very thankful for the fact that I don't have to wake up and rush to work. I am thankful for the fact that I don't have to sit there and kind of wait out the clock Um and I just don't have to be in that office environment. I can work anywhere and, you know, I work hard sometimes and it was tough building a business, um, but there's just something special about it versus um, just having to do whatever the boss tells you and not feeling like you're really in charge of your day or your longer term destiny. Yeah. So let's talk about f- uh, freelancing models because, uh you know, you mentioned a model there with a, you know, a, a small agency, but with bricks and mortar and with uh, uh, employees. Um, you know, what's your view in terms of the models that, um, you know, freelancers should probably avoid and, um, and, and the ideal models that they should be attracted to? So let's start with the ones that maybe don't work from your experience. 
Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned at the start of a show, uh, freelancers oftentimes make life very difficult for themselves. And everything we're about to talk to is equally true, whether you are truly a solopreneur, you're doing everything, or whether you have some people working for you. Um, if you're running a services business, this this is basically true. Um, and one of the broken models in particular that I see happening over and over is somebody deciding that they're going to do everything for their clients. So, for example, they're in, in my world of building websites. Um, you build the website, but you're also going to do search engine optimization for the client. You're also going to manage their Facebook and AdWords ads. You're going to provide branding services for them. You're going to provide uh, print uh, design. Um, you're basically going to try to become a one-stop shop for your clients. And that doesn't really work. And it doesn't work because when you're when you're small, you know, you don't have a big agency of like 50 people or so. Um, every service that you add to this menu of service makes your business much more complicated and much harder to run. Um, suddenly you have to set up a whole separate set of processes to actually um, manage those services and fulfill them for the clients. And then you have to spend a lot of effort selling them versus if you just get really good at one thing or one or two things and just do them over and over for clients, that is something that is going to let you make the same amount of money in a much shorter period of time and it's going to create a lot less headaches and a lot less things that can go wrong. Mm. That makes that makes a huge amount of success because you can't you're right you can spend a huge amount of time on all of that infrastructure. And you're not necessarily spending the time on bringing and servicing the clients. And uh, it can become a, uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy, can't it? Yeah, you have to learn how to do each of those things. Like, I made that mistake my agency. We were very good at building websites. Um, but I wanted to provide AdWords management to people. And that basically means managing ads for them. And that's actually a whole separate skill set that you have to either learn yourself if you're, a, you know, if you're doing this solo, or you have to go and you have to find someone that's excellent at that skill. So just by adding that service, you've actually added a whole lot of extra work for yourself in your business. Versus if you just sold another website, well, you already know how to do that. So you can sell that site and you don't have to add all this complexity to your business. Complexity kills. Mm. So it's about reducing complexity. It's absolutely, absolutely. Um, reduce complexity. Another thing that you should be thinking about if you're on your own and you know you don't have the resources of a giant team is making sure that you're not taking on too many clients. And that's also a matter of complexity reduction. Um, a lot of mis a lot of freelancers make this mistake. I have made this mistake, and that is going and building your business around the idea of having to take on something like 30 or 40 clients a year in order to make this thing work. Well, it's very hard to win 30 clients. It's very hard to manage 30 clients. It's very hard to provide services for 30 clients versus if you create a service where you only need about 10 clients or maybe even five clients a year in order to meet your financial goals. Um, that's so many fewer projects to sell um, so many fewer clients to manage, and you're much more likely to actually reach your financial goals. Yeah, yeah. 
um, but, but I guess five to ten clients, you've not got all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, exactly. After a lot of research and speaking to other freelancers, looking at what worked in my own business, that seems to be the sweet spot. Um, I'd say three to 10 clients is really the sweet spot. You don't want to go any fewer than three for the reasons that you mentioned. At some point, um, you're just not diversified enough. If you have one or two clients, you essentially have one or two employers. Um, You're not truly working for yourself. But once you have a few clients that you're working for, then yeah, you've actually got a business. Um, If one client leaves, it's not the end of the world. Um, but you don't have so many clients that you know you spend an entire day just responding to client emails and never actually getting your work done. So I imagine then that price is quite important here. You mentioned earlier your first website was three hundred dollars, then seven hundred dollars, and it was going <laughs> up. <laughs> so you you need to get a reasonable price for your services. Exactly. And that's actually where it helps to understand how many clients you can reasonably serve, because then you can work backwards. If you know how much money you're trying to make every year, um, let's say it's you know 50,000 pounds a year or 100,000 pounds a year, um, then you can work backwards. And if you know that you can take on 10 clients a year before things get crazy, then you know that the minimum size of your project has to be somewhere between uh, or somewhere at least uh, around 10,000 pounds, or you know, if you're trying to make 50,000 pounds a year, then maybe 5,000 pounds. But you know, if you take on clients smaller than that, then you know you're actually putting yourself in a position where you're going to have to take on too many clients in order to make this whole thing work. And that right away tells you what you need to really be charging in order to have a viable business. Yes. Yes, 10, 10K Brandon projects, if it's 150 and you've got 10, um, makes, makes, um, makes a lot of sense. But how do you go about finding these ideal clients? So a big part of that is getting clear on what is it that you can do for people and specifically what problem you can solve for them. That's something that I was missing for years in my business. I thought that what we did was we built websites because hey, I'm a web developer. Uh, But that's not really what I do anymore. I solve problems for people. And I solve problems that can be solved through a website. And that's a really important distinction. Because if, for example, you have a a local business like a coffee shop or something, and they come to you and they say, hey, they want a website. Well, what's the problem that they're trying to solve? Well, they're probably trying to post their menu and address and prices online so that a few customers can go online and check out this information. It's kind of valuable, but when you think about a coffee shop, they only make so much money from one location every year. Um, So there's only so much of a potential return on that project. And that means they're only going to be willing to pay so much money in order to get a website built. It makes no sense for them to spend huge dollars building a website um, that has their address and everything on it. Um, They want something cheap. And that's because the problem that they're trying to solve is not that expensive. Versus if you turn around and you look at a company that maybe has an online store and they have aggressive goals, they're maybe selling a million dollars a year right now and in five years they want to be doing five million dollars a year well if we can build them a website that's going to drive uh, more customers that's going to have more customers buying their products that is going to create a smoother shopping experience that's probably worth a lot of money for them because that's going to help them go from a million dollars a year uh, to five million dollars a year and that's a big deal so 
being clear on the problem that you solve for people and making sure it's a problem that they're willing to spend money to solve is really huge. It's not about selling your skill. It's about selling a solution to something painful to someone. And would you be as, as blatant as um, you know, putting that on your website? Is that that's what you do? You help uh, organizations develop their websites who are looking to make the transition from maybe a million dollar turnover to five. Are you, are you as specific as that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for example, we talk about turning visitors into customers. That's the problem that we solve. And that's still a pretty broad statement. We can get a lot more specific than that. Uh, but that's exactly it. You don't want to be saying, hey, we build pretty websites um, or, hey, we make pretty designs or, hey, uh, we write really good copy because everybody says that and who cares? Um, what you really want to be doing is you want to be speaking to the client in the terms that they understand and they're trying to hire you in order to solve a specific problem. And actually, the more specific you get, um, the easier it becomes to stand out because we all want to hire the expert. So if we can get a general doctor, that's great. But you know, if you have a heart problem, well, you want a heart surgeon. You don't want someone that dabbles in everything. So it's the same thing with services. The more specific you can get, um, it actually becomes a lot easier to hire you and it becomes a lot easier to be able to charge a premium rate for your services. Yes, yes. Um, so I think absolutely that makes a huge amount of sense. So getting really, really uh, clear because you can waste a huge amount of time with people who don't have the money to spend. And that's exactly what freelancers do because they treat it like a candy shop or something. If someone goes into your candy shop, you're going to sell them candy. It doesn't matter who they are. You're not going to discriminate. You're going to sell them candy. Um, and that's because you're selling a product. But it's very different with selling services. A lot of freelancers assume that if someone comes to them and wants their services, that they're obligated to work with that person. And they're obligated to work with them at whatever price that person can afford. And that's just absolutely not true. If someone has a $1,000 budget and your minimum is $10,000, then don't take on that client. And, you know, like I, I fell into that exact same trap. Um, I did this for years. People would come to me and they, you know, they had a great project. They had something uh, they wanted to achieve. So I was just dying to find a way to help them. Um, but unfortunately, um, that's a great way to shoot yourself in the foot because then you end up taking on clients that can't pay you um, what you need to be earning. Yeah. Yeah. And you, so yes, and you end up with a, a lot of clients potentially to, to manage and, um, and there's certain clients as well and certain, certain sectors that I, I've, I've certainly found can waste your time more than others. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. You know, sometimes, uh, you, you know, you can find something in public sector, for example, uh, where, um, you know, maybe, you know, universities and the health service and that sort of thing where there's complex tendering and they might involve all sorts of different uh, suppliers in that sort of process. You can soon find yourself doing huge amounts of work for, for no benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing about getting specialized is the more specific you can be with your client, the easier it becomes to say, well, hey, yeah, I mean, this big health sector job looks really cool if I want it, 
Uh, but this is not what I do, so I'm not even going to try. And suddenly you've avoided wasting 80 hours. Or you can say, hey, I specialize in government projects. And then you can get really good at winning those government projects because that's all you do. And then suddenly that makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. Very, um, very helpful that, I think, Matt. I think that will have... Uh, people thinking it certainly got me thinking about some of the things that we do here um we're going to go to commercial break again and after the break i want to have a bit of a chat with you around things like um you know freelancing and traveling you know we've uh, uh, we've sort of heard you know people like tim ferris talk about this and there are a number of people out there who um are developing their businesses and they're developing it from you know airports and uh, planes and and beautiful beaches and fantastic destinations so now let's have a chat about how maybe we can add a little bit of interest and uh, and also do things in a, a less stress-free way. So we'll be back again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, I'm talking with Matt Englert. We're talking about freelancing. And before the break, uh, we, we talked about, you know, what is freelancing? We talked about business models. We talked about finding higher paying projects. I think Matt really was starting to share with us about, you know, the value of differentiating, you know, being prepared to take turn things down that don't hit your financial requirements and maybe not having quite so many clients, but having clients who can afford to pay your services. Really, really fundamental stuff that actually impacts uh, so many um, small businesses who just, you know, get caught out by this. And, you know, I was admitting to uh, Matt that we do as well. Um, we have tenders across our desk and sometimes we go for them. We sometimes put huge amounts of work in. Actually, the prize wasn't really big enough. And we find that there were, you know, tens of companies who put their same effort into that as well. So I'm really um, taking a lot of what Matt's saying and uh, I'm really thinking about it myself. So, Matt, some people seem to manage to freelance uh, and and while they're traveling, while they're holidaying. Um, and I know you do as well. So you know, tell us a bit about what you've done and then maybe how you best make this work. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite parts of my redesigned business. So having gotten rid of the office and a physical location altogether really freed up a lot of options in terms of being able to work from anywhere because I didn't have to go into work every day. I didn't have a desk to sit at. Um, I could work from home, but as long as I had my laptop, I could work from anywhere else. And the thing about that is people idealize that a little bit. Um, it's great to be able to travel and work from anywhere, um, but it's not a permanent vacation. It's not like I'm always slacking off and cool, seeing cool places. I am still working. So then the question becomes, how do you simultaneously enjoy travel, enjoy this freedom of being able to go anywhere and at the same time get work done? And a big part of that is creating really good processes in your business and thinking really strategically about how you want your business to work. So for example, I check my email usually two or three times a day. So that way I can respond to clients um, in a pretty timely manner, but I'm not always chained to my inbox and they aren't always res expecting responses from me in the next minute. So I kind of set that pattern right away. I also don't take on projects that have to be done at some insanely tight deadline. So when we're building websites, we're typically thinking three to six month projects. And that's great because uh, I can organize my time and organize my week or months accordingly. But if you have a project that comes in and it has to be done the next week, well, that's a death march. You're going to be like staying up late every day working like crazy, trying to get this project done for the client. And in my opinion, at least, being someone that values freedom and being able to set my own schedule, this type of project is just not worth it. So therefore, I don't take it on. If you want to be able to travel, um, you need to build your business and your processes in a way that makes sense for you. So another thing I do, for example, is I minimize the amount of calls I have with clients. And when I do have calls, I make sure that they are scheduled. That's key because if you want to be location independent, well, it's hard to do that when you always have to be syncing up time zones 
and doing a million calls every week and being available by phone all the time. So for example, I lived in Croatia for a month and my clients never noticed. I would rock climb in the morning when my clients were asleep and about 3, 4 p.m. in Croatia, uh, my clients would just be waking up. So I'd do some email, do some work for them. Um, but they never knew anything was up. And part of the reason I was able to do that was the way I structured my business. That's, that's, that's interesting. So you really use the time zones to your to your benefit. Yeah, absolutely. In that uh, case, um, I took advantage of time zones for sure. Yeah. So it probably helps, uh, <laughs> helps look at those destinations where the time zones really work. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to have to be doing client calls at three a.m. Um, and if you are going to go somewhere where that's the case, then don't do client calls at all. And again, build your business in a way where you don't have to be doing client calls. Yeah, and you've got to you've got to manage your 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 time so you're not um, you're not cutting out any sleep. You don't you? because otherwise that becomes <laughs> self defeating. You don't enjoy the holiday and you don't enjoy the the client work. Yeah, that's exactly it, especially if you're in it for the long term. Like a holiday is a different thing. Like if you want to get away for a week or two, there's tips and strategies to do that. But to be able to maintain this on a longer term basis, um, that really does require you to think strategically through everything. Otherwise, like you said, you, you will be missing sleep, you will be frazzled, and you will not enjoy yourself. You won't enjoy your work, and you won't enjoy the destination that you're at. Mm-hmm. One of the things you... Reading one of your blogs, you recommended to people was to turn off the email off their phone. Um, I actually turned mine on probably 12 months ago, uh, uh, but I do find it actually really helpful, particularly if I'm away, just have the the mobile phone device to maybe check the emails two or three times uh, during the during the, the the day. So I'm managing to serve people and not let them down. I mean, what's your thinking around that? Yeah, so I turned off the email feature on my phone, I think back in like 2007, 2008, and I haven't looked back. It makes a world of difference in reducing stress. In fact, like if you're stressed out from work, that is probably the fastest, biggest win that you can create for yourself right now. Just get rid of your phone automatically bringing emails to it because you'll see that little flashing light, you'll get that notification, and you'll have to check it. And you'll have to check it whether it's during work hours or whether you're right before bed. Um, and it basically forces you into a mode where you're working nonstop. Now, I don't mind checking email on your phone. Um, phones today are very powerful. So for example, when I am traveling, I don't have my laptop near me or just don't feel like pulling it out, I will pull out my web browser and I will log into my email that way. But the difference with that is that puts me in control. There's no notification to stress me out or make me feel that I have to check my email. I'm basically using my smartphone like any other computer. I am voluntarily checking email versus having that notification come to me. And same thing with social media. I mean, I, I can't imagine getting tweeted at, Facebooked, and everything all day, every day. All those notifications are off. None of that stuff comes to my phone. The only way that my phone can interrupt me is either text messages or it actually ringing, and that's it. And let me tell you, that makes a world of difference in being able to focus, concentrate, actually get work done, and at the same time, not feel like you're working 24-7. Uh, yeah, the same as me. I had to have to have all the notifications off and I always amazes me actually when I sometimes you know with with clients and I see the they've got you know things pinging through because it's just so 
inefficient, isn't it? And that curiosity that you have if an email or a notification comes on. Um, so I'm completely with you. I have them all off on everything. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, could, I couldn't lead a stress. I've had a very high stress life, actually, if I had them on. Yeah, absolutely. And it was marketed as this major productivity win in order to have your workforce be able to have their emails in their pockets. And I mean, that's where the company BlackBerry made a lot of money before the iPhone came out is they they were selling this phone as a productivity tool. But when you look back at the consequences of all that, I would say it's an anti-productivity tool. Turn that email off. You can check it on your web browser. Uh, You don't have to be a slave to your phone. We also have so much uh, uh, junk come through to our emails as well. Uh, you probably be there climbing in uh, Croatia and you're getting, um, uh, you know, two for, two for one pizza at a uh, local pizza house in Calgary <laughs> coming up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not checking my I'm not checking my email when I'm climbing. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, um, any other tips for making life, you know, working life that bit less stressful? Um, I personally really like having a schedule. Um, and that seems to be something that when someone starts freelancing or working for themselves in some way, um, they're almost against that because they just broke free of the nine to five. So they're all like, well, I can work whatever I want and blah, 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 blah. And I have this total freedom. But the problem with that is not having a schedule is actually very stressful uh, because it creates this weird situation where you never know if you're supposed to be working or if you're supposed to be not working. And that itself can be really stressful because you're, you're, you just almost have this like almost existential crisis going on 24-7 because you feel guilty if you turn on Netflix and you feel guilty if you open your email because you don't know if you're supposed to be working or not. So on a day-to-day basis, I do have a pretty boring regular work schedule. I start in the morning and I end at some point in the afternoon. Um, and when... I'm not at work. I'm not at work. I'm not checking my email. I'm not messing around with stuff that you know I should be doing for work. Um, it's my free time. I'm in the wood shop, or I'm watching TV, or you know, out climbing, or or just enjoying life. And if I'm working, I'm serious about work. I'm not going to do the laundry. I'm not going to do the dishes. You know, I'm not going to go run personal errands. I'm at work. And that type of schedule is actually very freeing. And because you work for yourself, you can figure out what schedule works for you. So it doesn't have to be nine to five. That's just an arbitrary time that somebody one day decided was a good time for everybody. So you can start later or start earlier. Um, You can have a break in the middle of the day. Um, Do what's right for you and your productivity and your business, um, but create a schedule for yourself so you don't have that like wandering aimlessness of not being sure whether you should be working or not. How do you view things like exercise in the working day? Um, Personally, I put all that stuff into my personal time. Um, I just find like, uh, for me personally, like a lot of people say exercise is very energizing. Um, I I just find it distracting uh, more than anything. I like getting started pretty early with my work. I like getting it out of the way. Um, So for me, it's get up and shower and have a good breakfast and get started with my day and like things like rock climbing can happen you know in in the evening or afternoon 
uh, when everything else is done. But for some people, like that workout in the morning, I mean, that's how they get going and they get a lot of energy out of that. And if that's you, that's great. But that comes back to building your life, building your day around what works for you. Mm, yeah, that's why that's my my thing. I like to get up, get off and an exercise and then I actually feel like I've achieved something before I've even start the working day. Um, just give me that yeah. bit of bit of extra extra energy. Um, but that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s. That might be in, when I had more energy when I was in my 20s, naturally. But now I need to keep working at it to make sure that I still, you know, still have that capacity. So the exercise really helps now. That's wonderful. And that's what works for you. And that's the key. You work for yourself. Yeah, I mean, we're all different, aren't we? So uh, I think what I think is helpful about exercise and been a shift for me is that I actually now see ex- exercise as being part of my working day because I realize when I do exercise, all sorts of ideas pop into my head. So I do actually deem it now as being part of my working day rather than it being something I'm sneaking off to do. Because I know that I'm, you know, my creativity flows better when I'm running than it does sitting in an office. Yeah, that that is true. I I do find you do need those moments, whatever they are for you, uh, where your brain isn't thinking about work, and that is when you get your best ideas. Mm. So uh, tell us, you've got, um, you know, you provide services for freelancers now. What sort of things do you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, there's a lot of free stuff on Freelance Transformation. I run a weekly podcast called Freelance Transformation. And I also write various essays on this idea of freelancing and selling um, services. Um, And you can find all that on the website. But what I am really excited about that I was able to do this year is actually launch a whole course on how to find clients and how to find clients reliably. So the course is called Freelance Start. Um, It launched a few months ago. And if you want more information, the best way is to go on Freelance Transformation and sign up for my email list. And, you know, every once in a while, I am talking about it and I am starting a new cohort. And that's my way of helping people build a freelancing business strategically because that's really been the theme of this whole conversation is how do you think strategically about your business how do you think strategically about the types of clients that you take on the types of pricing uh, that you put on your services what's worth pursuing what's not how you how do you build a schedule in your business that makes sense it's all about putting some thought into it versus just doing random things yeah, brilliant. Well, we've got to go to commercial. We've got to leave now, actually. But um, I just wonder if you got you got. A, that's a great way to end the show, actually. I think um, you know, there's a final message to think strategically. Uh, I think is really um, really important um, about clients and uh, you, you know what uh, what's worth pursuing and what's not. Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. And it's been a huge pleasure being here today with you, Chris. Excellent. I'm also delighted that I think on the 21st of August, I'm on your show as well. So that's um, on your podcast show as well, talking about the power to get things done with you feel like it or not. So for more information on Matt, go to freelancetransformation.com. Uh, if you're just starting out um, or got some of these challenges, go and buy uh, Matt's course or access his free resources. You can get in touch with Matt at freelancetransformation.com. You can Twitter with him. It's uh, Matt at Matt Inglot. 
And on next week's show, we have um, Libby Wagner, who um, I have a little break for the week, but she did a great show with me on around 90,000 hours. She's also um, a really um, brilliant uh, poet as well. So I remember that being a great show. So I'm going to repeat that next week. Um, and I just want to wish you all well. If you've got any comments, thoughts on this show, you want to get in touch with me, then you can get in touch with me at Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Thanks very much. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 